in the immortal words of renowned social philosopher and vertically challenged Jedi master, Yoda, the force is strong in this one. I'm John Cadogan from autoexpert.com.au and I get new cars cheap for buyers here in Australia. Website for that, obviously. Or you can just click the card that's up there now, dude. Now, there are more expensive, outrageous supercars and more powerful, outrageous supercars and more overtly ridiculous, outrageous supercars. But there are no more practical, outrageous supercars than this. And every time I drive one, I do fall for it, and I fall for it hard, and metaphorically, I want it in a deeply carnal and wholly unplatonic way. Like, I don't want to be its friend. I want to have my way with it over and over and over and over. Like, this car is my kryptonite. And before it, I am, paradoxically, powerless. So I guess the key question for you is, what would it be like actually to live with a BMW M3 as opposed to just having a fling with it for a week and then returning it filthy and somewhat drained but essentially intact before lunchtime next Thursday, the better to avoid a completely unnecessary telephone call to the sheriff and a terrible misunderstanding. And I suspect the answer is it'd be kind of like owning an extra 300L, the world's top aerobatic aircraft, okay? But only ever taking off and making sort of four conservative right-hand turns before landing gently once again on the airstrip, repeat. No snap rolls, no loops, no stall turns, no split S's and fun stuff of that nature. Or if you do some of that, it would be infrequent at best. And I guess that's kind of okay because the alternative would be these vehicles being driven routinely at or close to the limit of their performance potential. And I can't imagine a road system that could possibly accommodate that. set the scene here and give you the backstory, I know I tend to concentrate on reviewing mainstream accessible cars, like the ones ordinary people actually buy. But this was too good of a self-indulgent opportunity to pass up, and I thought some of you at least might be interested in that. And look, there's a reason why I recommend BMW over Mercedes and Audi in that premium German space. The four-ringed Volkswagen has a moral compass seemingly calibrated in the Bermuda Triangle at best. And it is commercially nowhere in Australia. Like whatever Audi is doing, it's fundamentally flawed right at the moment. And the three-pronged suppository, like my concerns about it are on the record, it has a proud tradition of throwing far too many owners who legitimately need support right under the bus. And 
icing on the cake, like glacé cherry on the icing on the cake, those gag orders to weasel out of admissions under Australian consumer law. That's morally reprehensible in my view. Visually, though, and in terms of performance and luxury, all three brands are very good indeed and compellingly competitive. But the overarching difference is in customer care. At least that's how it seems to me over several years of fielding actual complaints from actual customers. I very rarely get BMW complaints, but when I do, head office jumps on it and frowns go upside down if the complaint is legitimate. If the world made sense, okay, this would not be the biggest difference between these otherwise close competitors, but obviously the world does not make sense, and this is the biggest difference. And this certainly would matter to me if I was spending the best part of 200 grand on a luxury slash performance conveyance. So my review of a C63 AMG, for example, is, yeah, goes great, looks hot, but do you really want to play Russian roulette with five out of the six chambers loaded? BMW lent me the car you just saw and will shortly see again, just like all the other online reviews you see. I do not, however, have commercial dealings with car makers, including BMW, and they certainly do not get to see the report before it goes live, and nor do they have any input into it. But they are free to voice their displeasure if they don't like it or tell me what I got wrong, just as I am free not to care about whether or not they like it, but I will issue a correction if they tell me I got something substantial wrong. I also want to thank you for your comments and messages in the BTS promos on this review that I did on LinkedIn and Twitter and the YouTube community page. So I thought I'd let some of your feedback inform the direction of this review. First up, Mal Smith. Great video, John. Really keen to hear your opinion on the M3 ride quality and if it's too harsh for daily use. The ride is fine. Like, there is some harshness in the ride and also in the powertrain for mundane driving. Like, it's pretty obvious this is not Nana's Camry or something. But you can stick the family in this car and go for a nice conservative drive and they will be totally unaware what all the fuss is about, unless you show them, which I don't recommend. And yet this vehicle is an example of BMW's finest work because it's got gorilla grip and it's got death-proof brakes and, you know, the most carnally attractive inline-six engine in the universe. But there is a paradox in play, right? And you need to be aware of it. And it's the whole tail-dog paradox. Because in most cars, you know, your ability is probably up here and its ability might be down there. And in that case, you are the dog and it is the tail. And you wag the friggin' tail on command. And even if there's, you know, approximate parity in ability, then that's one kind of automotive relationship, right? But in a car like this, unless you are running that particular spooky software in the manner of Jensen Button or Mark Webber or people of that ilk, then the whole tail dog thing is inverted. And 
you're going to find yourself one day on a racetrack after some instruction in your M car and you're going to be going down the main straight at like 200 k's an hour or something and you'll be on the brakes and tipping it into turn one at 160 going yes and the car's going to look back at you and go really i had kind of hoped for a bit more from you just this once and this is going to be the singular defining performance driving characteristic of your relationship with your M3 until the heat death of the frigging universe. The latent engineer in me should tell you that cars start feeling kind of half engaging at a power to weight ratio of about 100 watts per kilo, like kilowatts per tonne, same difference. A Hyundai i30N offers 136 watts per kilo, and I have gushed about that car in the past because it feels properly fun. And obviously there's more to any performance car than just the power and the mass. There's a hell of a lot of finesse in the equation as well. Notably though, that i30N is fun because of the role of Albert Biermann, the former head of the BMW M division, who was poached by Hyundai to be instrumental in its design. The whole M thing is a philosophy, right? Kind of like being a Jedi. So I think of i30N as kind of M3 light or mainstream M, sort of philosophically, more financially accessible, less intimidating, still fun, same kind of thought process, okay? But M3 exists in a completely different universe. I'm not saying they're even vaguely similar, except philosophically. M3 delivers 216 watts per kilo, which is more than double what is necessary to feel a little bit speedy and actually 60% more awesome than the already awesome i30N in a straight line. And if you've never driven a car like this, you will need recalibrating, like 0 to 100 in 3.9 seconds. <laughs> Hashtag respect. License in the shredder in under four. Just what I always wanted. Officer, you shouldn't. And that's not even what this car does best. Like, it's good in a straight line, but that's not its shining glory. Still, 375 kilowatts and 650 newton meters from an awesome twin-turbo straight-six. I mean, V8s are awesome, but you can give me a straight-six any day. Like, perfect balance and awesome rev characteristics. That's got to be scavenging inspired burble except of course if you're a busted on bogan bolted on rusted on busted on i don't know it's hot versus beautiful is what i'm saying you have to pick one and every time i'll take hot okay it's a character flaw if you actually want to go fast a straight six and bmw is the world champion of building the hottest straight sixes ever so there's that but the M340i xDrive, it's going to be 50 grand cheaper and feel more refined day to day. And very few people out there on the road could actually drive an M3 quicker from A to B in the real world, especially in the wet. Like I said, this is a paradox, the M3, right? I can only make an M3 go as fast as I can make it as opposed to as fast as it could hypothetically go, and I probably can't make it go appreciably faster than an M340i xDrive in the real world, like from A to B. And tantalizingly enough, 
MX Drive is coming to an M3 and M4 near you later this year. So there's that if you want to split the tractive effort front to rear in Extremis. It's still going to be rear drive biased because they are kind of serious about that at the M division. But I'm tipping it will allow you to get on the gas even sooner after the apex, possibly even before. And you know you want that. I know I do. But this thing already has immense grip, right? It's not like there's a deficiency there that needs to be overcome. Like, it is a collaboration with Spider-Man, basically. You get 20-inch wheels with two 8530 Michelin Pilot Sport 4Ss at the rear and just for kicks, 19s at the front with two 7535s, which is kind of limpet-like at both ends. The rear brakes on an M3 are bigger than most cars front brakes. And to me, this car is just the supermodel you cannot have and would not know what to do with, even if you could, but you want it anyway, okay? Even in incredible Hulk green with orange interior, which sounds mildly nauseating, but is oddly compelling in the flesh. George Harrison can, of course, take full credit for the official BMW M3 competition anthem with the immortal words, Something in the way she moves reminds me of no other lover. Perhaps I am actually thinking of Usher and Will I Am with their prophetic words. Honey got a booty like pow, pow, pow. And <coughs> think you'd agree? She certainly does in this case. Anyway, you carve this up. This is Tiffany from the office at the Palazzo Versace. She's wearing latex, holding a bottle of Verve Clicquot and two glasses. And you've got 25 minutes until you need to deliver the keynote address. <laughs> In other words, life doesn't get much better than this. Of course, not everyone agrees. Spoiler alert. M3 comp with a conventional auto will be about as much fun as a chopstick in your urethra. Call me old-fashioned, but I am entirely unmotivated to run this experiment. Like, coming up, chopstick test. <laughs> Let's find out what's really more fun. I think I know what's more fun, but I love human nature, or at least I love the nature of some humans, which is to sit in the basement, in their underwear, on a couch, watching videos, and making ad hoc determinations about cars they've never driven, will never drive, and conceivably could never hope to own. So there's that. But for the record, what I'd say, Craig, is that in M mode, this car is the full-on performance dominatrix, okay? And you'd best do exactly what she instructs if you know what's good for you. And shifting with the paddles in M mode, you might as well be driving a sequential manual gearbox. And like, is it a race car? No, it's not a full-on race car. That's not what this vehicle purports to be, okay? Race cars are awful to drive in any case but the transmission is entirely well integrated with the package when you are driving it like the M Division conceived, okay? And the final point I'd make on Craig's comment is about fun, okay? Because I think fun is exactly the wrong filtration through which to pass the diligent assessment of a vehicle 
such as this. That's because these cars are terrifying, or at least intimidatory, in part. And that's not a bad thing, perversely. Occasionally, it is absolutely worthwhile to get into the ring with an opponent who is substantially better than you, but who is entirely indifferent about clocking you should you drop your guard. Like, nothing personal, dude. You dropped your guard. What'd you expect? Here, let me help you find all of your missing teeth. Unforgiving environments are vectors for immense personal growth. And you don't have to like the experience in the moment. And that's a good thing because you probably won't. It's simply the price of admission. And therefore, I think the ownership proposition for this car is either all about bragging to the boys, because chicks don't care, mostly. Like, my wife and daughter, they both hate this car. Or it's about bragging to yourself, about owning the ultimate engineering execution of a particular kind of car. And this is certainly that. This M3 competition is as close to perfect as a practical supercar could ever hope to be. Is it comfortable? Yeah, kind of, but not in the context of a car designed to offer the ultimate in luxuriousness. It's not a 7 Series competitor. It's more comfortable than a car that performs like this has any right to be. It's comfortable enough to live with, but that's definitely not some justification for owning one. I mean, I want one because it's the best, but also because it's just going to sit back there patiently and wait to clock me if I turn off the electronic oversight and take it to the edge. It's very hard to exist at the edge with a crazy fast car like this. It is flat out impossible to explain this concept to anyone for whom vehicles merely represent transportation. And if you're struggling with it now, I suggest your guide be the late, great Hunter S. Thompson, Mr. Gonzo Journalism himself. He writes this piece back in 1969 called Midnight on the Coast Highway. It's absolutely pivotal, or at least it was for me when I first read it. The context is, he had gone out and embedded himself into the Hells Angels motorcycle gang. Hashtag respect. Like, imagine doing that. Anyway, he develops this pathological obsession for scary fast motorcycles, and he takes his scary fast motorcycle out and has an epic crash in it, which nearly totals him and does total the bike. It takes months to get back on the road. And then when he finally gets it back on the road, he takes it out in the middle of the night and he opens it up. And this thing that we're discussing, he called it the edge. There is no honest way to explain it because the only people who really know where it is are the ones who have gone over. The others, the living, are those who pushed their control as far as they felt they could handle it and then pulled back or slowed down or did whatever they had to when it came time to choose between now or later. But the edge is still out there or maybe it's in. Prophetic words, right? And that, to me, is what makes the M3 competition so special. Maybe it's a respect thing. Or maybe it's just acknowledging that the edge is just down here, under your thumb, accessible 24-7, 365, no matter how infrequently you use it. And for that alone, I fucking love this car.